are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. I want to read a text that's found in Luke chapter 24, and it's a text that I have referenced over the last number of weeks. It just seems to have been woven into my messages uh, over the last number of weeks, and I felt to come back to it again in this particular message in particular. Luke chapter 24, verse 36, Jesus has been crucified, he's been buried in the tomb, he's risen from the tomb, and now he's starting to appear to the disciples. And so in Luke chapter 24, 36, it said, now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Now, Jesus comes out of the tomb. He makes his appearance to his disciples. Some doubt who he is. Of course, Thomas is thrown in the middle of that. And so Jesus says to them, behold, my hands and my feet. And he shows them his hands and his feet. It's intriguing that The same Jesus who opened blind eyes, the same Jesus who unstopped deaf ears, and the same Jesus who helped the lame to walk, and he made the lepers whole. This same Jesus who had the power to resurrect from a tomb, this same one would come out of the tomb and would keep the scars from the cross. He could have easily done away with those scars as he had done with the lepers. He could have wiped the trauma from his body, but he chose to keep the reminder of the cross. He chose to keep his scars. And I want to preach to you on this subject today, I'll take my scars. I'll take my scars. So we have to ask the question, why would Jesus keep his scars? The first reason to consider is because scars tell a story. Scars are a part of life. When we get a cut on our hand or on our body, our skin tries to reconnect itself and it tries to heal itself. And so a bunch of protein gets thrown in the mix. And many times when you get a cut that's significant enough, the skin will not heal the same way. 
that it was before it was cut, and so it will create a scar. And so we understand centuries ago, warriors who would be in battle loved to show off their scars to one another because it demonstrated maybe a war or uh, some kind of fight that they were in. And so they showed it off to tell about the exciting tales because scars tell stories, don't they? We all have scars. Scars are a part of life. I have a few scars on my body, one's on my pinky from when I was about 10 years old and my friend and I were playing out behind the church and we were playing behind the church there in Canton, Ohio and as good friends do, he pushed me down. And when I fell down, I fell on glass, broken glass and I've got a scar to this day that tells that story. I've got scars on my elbow from my wrestling days, as I've mentioned in Bible school. Wrestling, getting carpet burns that are so bad that it left a scar. My favorite scars that I have on my body are on my knees, and I won't show them to you, but they're from playing softball and diving for balls and sliding into bases. I've got scars on my knees that I'm proud of. And no doubt, I could pass a mic around to some of you. And you have some scars that are a lot worse than that. You have some stories that your body tells from something, some incident in your life. I don't know why, but We're just like this. People like to show off their scars. I'm always a little nervous when people send me prayer requests because people like to send pictures along with prayer requests. And you never know what I'm going to see. Remember being in the hospital years ago when I first came to Calvary and a dear precious lady of the Calvary Church, she since passed away, but I remember walking into the hospital room to pray for her, and she wanted to show me the surgery, her open-heart surgery. I'm scarred. (laughs) But scars tell a story, don't they? And I wouldn't doubt that when Jesus showed up in that room with those disciples, He had other scars he could have showed them. He had a few scars from his days in the carpentry shop. He probably had a few scars from his days of of walking thousands of miles on foot. He probably might have had some from being in a fishing boat. But on this particular day, he wanted to show them some other scars. And he showed them his hands and his feet. And he showed them his side. Why? Because it told a story. Not an insignificant story. Not a story of mindless activity. Not a story of ordinary living. But the wounds that created these scars were born on a horrific cross. And Zechariah the prophet would prophesy about these wounds in Zechariah 13.6. 
And he said, one will say to him, what are these wounds between your arms? Then he will answer, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. He had some scars that came not just from ordinary living, but the wounds of those he thought were closest to him. And so when he came into the room and he showed them his hands and he showed them his feet and his side, it told a story, a story of heartache, a story of rejection, a story of being in the garden and kissed by a quote unquote friend that marked him for death. It told a story of being denied and forsaken by one of his closest disciples, Peter. It was a story that told of shame, of being beaten, stripped naked, nailed to a cross, stabbed in his side. The prophet Isaiah would prophesy about this shame in Isaiah 53. He said about Jesus, and he prophesied about Jesus, that he was despised. He was rejected by men. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. That's what he was telling. That's the story he told when he appeared in that room. Look at my hands, and look at my feet. And each one of us comes into this room today, And our lives are littered with significant and insignificant moments that tell a story. And I would submit today it's a story that sometimes we don't want to tell. Our lives are not just made up of physical wounds, but our lives are made up of moments of hurt and rejection, moments of abuse and neglect, moments of tragedy and disappointment, despair and anger, mistakes we think about often, and decisions that have left wounds in our lives. And too often, these wounds never heal. We want the pain of that to go away. We want the memory to somehow disappear of a lifetime or a a, a moment in our life. We want it to disappear, and so we run from it. We try to make the pain go away by dealing with it, with substances and drugs and things that can eliminate the memory and eliminate the pain. We avoid people and we avoid places. We try and get our mind off of it. We run to other relationships, all hoping that somehow we'll we'll somehow wake up from a bad dream. Young people get lost in technology and cell phones and things of that nature. Grown-ups find themselves engrossed in all kinds of activity, trying to somehow not ever remember, not ever go back to what happened. We try to lose the, and escape the memory and pretend it never happened. And I want to just tell somebody, maybe you know it, maybe you don't, but I want to remind you today that God promised that he would heal us. But God never said that the memory would go away. And when you came to serve God, I don't know what your expectation is of God, but I want to tell you that he promised 
that he could bring healing in our life. But he never said he was going to take the memory away. So the question is asked, why would he want us to hang on to a memory of pain and suffering? Why would he want us to hang on to this memory found by wounds? The creator of the universe, the one who could cleanse the lepers, the one who had the ability to wipe trauma from the body, the one who could open the blind eyes, the one who could unstop deaf ears and make the lame to walk and change the physical dimensions of the body. Why would he choose to keep his scars? And I would submit that not only do scars tell a story, but scars speak of healing. And I submit that Jesus kept his scars because his scars at that point didn't just tell a painful story of suffering. But Jesus would say, by keeping his scars, that I know what hurt is all about. And I know what it is to be wounded. And I know what it is to suffer and to be rejected. But look at me now. I am not bound by my wounds. I am not held captive by what others have done to me. I am not controlled by what others have tried to force me to become. But Thomas, look at my hands. Look at my feet. And the reason he would call, we would call them scars today and not wounds is because they cease to be open. Jesus did not come out of the grave with blood running down his body. No, he came out of the tomb with scars, wounds that had healed. And there's a significant difference. Isaiah would speak about wounds when he began to write in the book of Isaiah and he described the children of Israel. He described them in a state of rebellion, in a state of sickness and despair. And this is how he described them. He said, from the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. The reason they remain wounds and not scars is because they remain open in our life. They've never had a chance to find closure. They've never had a chance to ultimately heal. And I want to tell you the impact of Jesus' story and the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just told through his wounds on the cross, but the real power of his story is told through wounds that have healed. We call them scars because they're visible. They're easily remembered. But they didn't have the same pain associated with the wound that it once was. It didn't still sting to touch it. It didn't burn when it was grazed. My scar on my pinky, I can touch it, I can hit it. It doesn't hurt to this day. All it is is a visible reminder. And that's how I know that it's healed because there's no pain associated with it. Jeremiah the prophet would prophesy also of these wounds and he would say that God would heal our wounds. 
and the scars spoke loud and clear to those disciples that, they, that Jesus was healed. And the reason I believe that Jesus had the capacity to find healing for his wounds was that while he was still on the cross and while the wound was still fresh and while the wound still hurt, he breathed out the unthinkable being suspended between heaven and earth. He breathed out the unthinkable. Father, forgive them. At that moment, he allowed a story of betrayal, a story of hatred, a story of shame to have the opportunity to become a story of hope and redemption and love and grace and mercy. So you and I, we might have some wounds in our life. We might have a place that we don't want to deal with, a bad decision, a mistake, Someone in authority who didn't treat us right. A childhood memory of abuse. A rejection by a parent. It's hard to go through life without a wound. It's hard to go through life without something hurting us or someone hurting us. But I would ask the question, how do I know it's a wound and not a scar? I would argue that a wound is something that is still painful. It's painful to think about. It's painful to talk about. That's how you know it's still a wound. I want you to know today that God wants to heal your wounds. God wants to bring healing, hear me today, to the most hurtful memories in your life. God cares about the most dreadful mistakes that you have ever made in your life. And too often, we live our life full of wounds. We try to hide them. We try to make them go away. We want to have spiritual plastic surgery. We don't want a scar. I don't want anything to remind me of. I don't ever want to think about that again. But I challenge you today. God wants to heal you, but he wants you to remember. Why would God want you to remember? Why not just make it disappear? I conclude today with this simple thought, that unless you can remember your wounds, you won't be able to help anybody with theirs. And when he heals your wounds, he wants to use your scars to tell a story. You see, Joseph would say to his brothers who tried to kill him and ultimately sold him to be a slave, what the enemy meant to kill me, God wants to use for his glory. Every time the enemy tries to to tell you about your past, you need to take that as an opportunity for a testimony. Every time the enemy tries to make you feel shame about something in your past, you need to say, you know what? I'm glad you reminded me of that because that's the way I used to be. That's the way things used to be. 
but God has made a difference in my life. It would be Paul who would pray. He said, three times I prayed there was this issue in my life. And three times I prayed that somehow it would disappear. I wanted to forget about it. I didn't want to deal with it. And three times I prayed over and over, let it be gone. Let me forget about it. Let me not have to deal with it. But God said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul wrote, therefore... Most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress. Why? For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I'll take my scars today. Oh, hallelujah. Unfortunately, too often, our wounds become our excuses. They become the reason why we don't. I challenge somebody to flip the script on your wounds and let them be something more than just something you dread in your past, something you wish didn't happen in your past, but let it become something that brings strength to your future. I encourage somebody today, don't let your hurt be the reason you stop coming to church. Let it be the reason and let it be the story of the power of trusting in a God in spite of what you've walked through. Instead of your rejection being the reason you can't trust anyone anymore, let the rejection become the story of how God allowed you to love the unlovable. And instead of humiliation and pain, that should be the reason for you giving up and walking away. Let it be an incredible story of the power of forgiveness and a story of a God who makes all things new. Well, hallelujah. And instead of it being a mistake that you run from, hear me today. Let it be a story for generations to hear of the unfailing mercy of God. How many still believe we're overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony? You see, God would constantly remind his people to remember the works that he had done. Remember how he brought them out. We think about the Old Testament and the Passover, that great celebration of the the children of Israel. But I want to tell you something about the Passover. It wasn't a celebration of their future, but it was for them to remember how God brought them out from under the hand of the oppressor. He was not trying to erase the memory of slavery, but he said, I want you to remember so you have something to praise me for in the future. And God doesn't want us to forget where he's brought us from. There's that old song, I will never forget where he's brought us from. He doesn't want us to walk around with some spiritual amnesia or some forgetfulness where I can't ever remember anything from my past. No, he said, I brought you through it. I want you to remember it. See, the Bible was not written by omitting the sins and struggles and pain of the heroes of faith found in Hebrews chapter 11. We read Hebrews chapter 11 and we read about all these awesome people, Abraham and Gideon and Samson and all these great heroes of faith. 
But when you read the Bible, it's not written with all their sins and failures and struggles and doubts and fears erased. No, God said, I'm going to use all of their fear and their doubts and their struggles to bring faith to the next generation. And it became a backdrop. And their pain and their suffering became a backdrop for the future faith of you and I. So I declare to you today, if Abraham can make it through his uncertainty, I can make it. If Sarah can make it through her insecurity and barrenness, I can make it. If Moses can make it through his anger and through the rejection of the people, I can make it. If the children of Israel can make it through complaining and wandering, I can make it. If Rahab can make it through a life of prostitution, I can make it. If Gideon can make it through his fear, I can make it. If Samuel can make it through the sins of other people, I can make it. If Samson can make it through his lust, I can make it. And if David can make it through the hatred of his brothers, the ultimate betrayal of his mentor, his own horrendous failure, and the calculated mockery of his beloved son, and the death of his children. Let me tell you today, I can make it. I can walk through anything in this life knowing that God can take it, he can heal it, and he can use it for his glory. Oh, hallelujah. Tell somebody next to you, I'll take my scars. I'll take my scars. I'm not trying to forget what he's done for me, but I'm going to remember that he's brought me out of the miry clay and set my feet on a rock to stay. Oh, hallelujah. I'll take my scars today. That's why Paul would tell the early church, do you not know that the unrighteous aren't going to inherit the earth, the deceived, the fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revelers, extortioners, will, no, none of those will inherit the kingdom of God. That's a pretty strong statement. And let me tell you, all of us are listed in that group. But he said, and such were some of you. Such were some of you, but now you're washed. Now you're sanctified. Now you're justified. But he didn't tell them, forget that you were a drunkard. Forget that you were a thief. He said, no, just the fact that you need to know that such were some of you. He said, I brought you too far for you to forget where I brought you from. Oh, hallelujah. And let me tell you, if you don't know this about the Calvary Church, the Calvary Church is not just a pretty story of revival, love, and euphoria. It's not just a story of nice buildings, wonderful music, and a dynamic spiritual atmosphere. The story of this church and the lives of those who have been, make up this church are littered with moments of betrayal, moments of sin, moments of failure, moments of fear. Wounds from those who we thought were for us only to realize that they were against us. Wounds from those who we called friend only to realize that they hated us. Wounds from those who we thought were spiritually minded only to realize that their hearts were tainted by the whispers of sin. That's what this church is made up of. People who have been betrayed, people who have been hurt, people who have been walked over and lied about and deceived and hurt. But guess what? We're still here. We're still here. 
year after year, moment after moment, failure after failure, betrayal after betrayal, we're still here and we have the scars to prove it. Oh, hallelujah. The story, and as the story of this congregation continues to unfold, it becomes ever more apparent that we need the stories of the past to embrace the calling for the future. We, do, we need elders. We need those who, will, who have stood in the face of losing friends and the separation of family for the sake of the gospel. We need to hear your story. We need the story of those who have been delivered from lives of immorality and perversion. We need stories of those who have overcome tragedy and despair. We need stories from those who have faced relational collateral and failure. We need your story. We don't need you to be silent. We don't need you to forget where God's brought you from. No. Tell us that story. Tell us how you were. Tell us what you were on. Tell us what you faced because we need that story for our future. Oh, hallelujah. Because here's what I know. God's promised healing. God's promised healing. Let me tell you why I'm loving Growth University right now besides the fact that Kristen's teaching. I love hearing the stories of extraordinary Christians, people who are pillars of faith, people who you would walk in and you think that everything was right in their life, everything was perfect. No, and they're telling you stories of mistakes, stories of doubt, stories of fear, stories of failure, but telling you, you know what? Uh, Here's the scars. Here's the scars. Even though I messed up, God kept walking with me. Even though I went through that tragedy and lost my parents and lived uh, poor and broken and abused. Here I am today with scars saying there's still hope for this generation. Oh, hallelujah. 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 I feel the touch of the Lord now. An author, Beverly Flanagan, in her book, Forgiving the Unforgivable, said, forgiveness has nothing to do with forgetting. A wounded person cannot, indeed should not, Think that a faded memory can provide an atonement for the past. To forgive, one must remember the past, put it into perspective, and move beyond it. Without remembrance, no wound can be transcended. That's powerful. Forgiveness has nothing to do with forgetting. And that's where many of us trip up when it comes to forgiving people in our life because we cannot forget. And we think because we cannot forget, therefore we cannot forgive. And that is not true. Dr. Indol Tolving, a noted psychologist, has a theory about memory that I find fascinating and it jumped out to me the other day. And it's in alignment with this spiritual truth. Tolving believes, he's a psychologist, a secular psychologist, he believes that our ability to remember our past is intricately tied to our ability to hope for the future. Tolving has done significant research that shows that those who lose their ability to remember the past also lose their ability to hope for the future. And when you and I remember 
what the Lord has done for us. And we, when we are able and willing to express gratitude for it, it gives us hope for our future. When we give thanks, when we give praise, what are we doing? We're remembering. The word thanks in the Old Testament, one of the words literally means to lift your hands, to throw your hands as if you're throwing something out. And when I thought about that, I thought about the Christ who said, look at my hands. Look at my feet. I'm not afraid to show where I've been and what's happened to me and what's done in my life. But I thank God. I choose to remember and thank God where he's brought me from. Because when we give thanks to God, when you praise God, you remember. And so Psalm chapter 118 verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. Mercy requires us to think about the past. I need his mercy for my past. But he says it endures forever. So, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy. What he's done for our past endures forever. It gives us hope for our future. And he said, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, that's you and I. Let those who fear the Lord now say, his mercy endures forever. I want you to stand with me this morning. His mercy, his ability to deal with your past is present in this room today. His forgiveness, his love, his grace. And if you would acknowledge him today, says his mercy will endure. You'll never have to worry about your future. I conclude today with a story I've shared different times, not that you would remember it. But years ago, my dad and I stayed up about, stayed up real late till about four in the morning. We were talking about different things about our life or his life and our family and started talking about relatives and ancestors. And we specifically talked about his father my biological grandfather who died when my dad was five years old. And what we know of him, that he was most likely born in Jerusalem, came over to the United States in the 1920s. We know that he was put into federal prison in Marion, Illinois, for racketeering and bootlegging, 
most likely alcohol, during the prohibition. We know that he was involved in some things that were less than honorable. My dad told me about what he remembers of his body, that his body was full of scars, where he'd gotten into fights and he was dumped and left for dead. My dad said on his back were deep scars from a time when he was tied up to a post and shredded with a knife because he overstepped some lines. It was not just his body that bore the scars, but no doubt when he was alive, his mind bore the reminders of such a rough life. But I stand here today tell you that those scars are not just stories of shame and hatred and guilt and pain. But today, those scars tell a significant story. A story of a young Jewish man who gets out of prison, carries his life full of wounds and heartache into an apostolic church. He hears the gospel of Jesus Christ and gives, gives his life to Jesus Christ. He ultimately is baptized in Jesus' name. He's filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. He was converted because the man who invited him to church began to speak in tongues. And when the man began to speak in tongues, he began to speak in tongues in Hebrew. The man speaking in tongues didn't know he was speaking in Hebrew, but my grandfather understood him. And that's how he was converted. He became a preacher of the gospel. Traveling across the country, he started a few churches. But he told a story of hope and mercy, grace and forgiveness and the power of the cross. And this is the picture of him that my dad is sitting on my grandmother's lap there. That's my father. And his story could have just been another story of a wounded spirit. Somebody who was bitter by life, bound by what was tossed in his life. But no, it was a different kind of story, a scar-filled story that spoke to his generation. My dad has had different people talk to him about the impact of my grandfather's preaching on their life, and I've had people tell me about him as well. But I tell you, the greatest impact his scar-filled life has had has been on a son who knew him only briefly, five years, and his grandchildren who have heard his story. And a life that was so rough and so scarred became a legacy of hope and mercy. And what I want to ask us today is will your life just be littered with wounds that you hope go away? Will your life just be a constant reminder of people who hurt you? Or will it tell a significant story? A story of hope. A story of redemption. A story that changes your family legacy. And when your family and maybe even your grandchildren start to dig into the genealogy of your life, Will they find somebody who is just bitter and mad? 
someone who just tried to avoid the mistakes they made or will they find a story of redemption and hope and mercy that will bring faith to them? And so today, I'm telling you, there's a hope in this room that no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, what you've faced in your life, I'm telling you today that God can take it. He can take those wounds and he can bind them up and he can heal them so that you can walk not with a forgetfulness of what happened in your past, no, but a sense of being healed that, hey, I've been through this and I know God can help you as well. That's what we need in this generation. We don't need a church full of people who act like they've got it all together and have made no mistakes. We need people who are willing to share their life. People who are willing to give thanks. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Thank you, Jesus, for making me whole. Thank you, Jesus. God, we come to you right now. Lord, in this room, God, that is just full of stories, full of physical scars, full, God, of emotional scars. God, that some are our own mistakes. Some we've created the wound. Others, Lord, we had nothing to do with, but yet it's there. And God, I... No, there are people in this room who God want to just forget, just, just not have to deal with what happened in the past. I just want to move on. I just want to keep going. I don't want to think about it. Lord, I, I know that you're calling on somebody to allow you to heal them today. For someone to find the power of true forgiveness, the power of your ability to heal from the greatest betrayals. Lord, you faced it. It sent you to the cross. It sent you to the depths of despair and agony. It sent you, Lord, to the grave. But yet, that wasn't the end, Lord. And it's not the end for some in this room today. God, you're going to bring healing. You're going to bring healing. God, you're going to open up doors for people to share their testimony. And I pray you would give them courage, oh God to give you thanks, to give you praise for where you brought them from. Because such were some of us. Such were all of us. But we're washed. We're sanctified. We're justified by the name of the Lord and the Spirit of our God. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about The Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.